Hey podcast listeners, Mike Rappin, host of the I Read Comic Books podcast here. I know this is a little weird, but we just released a survey for all you listeners out there to take. We really want to get your feedback on the show, so if you have a moment, head over to ircb.us slash survey and give us some info. That's ircb.us slash survey. Anyways, I'll get out of your hair, and let's get on to the show. Hi everybody, this is Nick White. I'm your host and this is the I Read Comic Books podcast. In case you're wondering where Mike Rappin is, he went to New York Comic Con and he exploded because it was too awesome, which should be a really good lesson about what it means to go to a Comic Con and leave Nick White behind. And he's not bitter about it, but he is talking about it in the third person, so clearly there are some issues (laughs) that are still unresolved. Something has gone wrong, yeah. Nick's totally okay with it. He's also left the building. (laughs) On that note, it's probably a good idea that I should introduce the two other wonderful people that are here with me, and also not with Mike Rappin at New York Comic Con, where he is having a great time, and I am totally okay with that. Joining me this week are Brian Murray. Hello. And Kate Scotchless. Hi. Normally, I'd ask the two of you at this point how your week is going, but you're not at New York Comic Con, so <laughs> I, know, I can right? only assume it's fucking terrible. Tia's freaking uh, interviewing Scott Snyder like as we speak, so yeah, I'm okay not with that. about that. Stuck here talking to Nick White. <laughs> not tearing out my hair and crying. I saw Kieran Gillen comment on her Facebook earlier this week, and I peed mm-hmm. a little bit. <laughs> I know, exactly. Tia's Tia the exactly. star we all wish we were. <laughs> She's way too cool to be hanging out with us, right? I know, right? How did Mike trick her into this? (laughs) This is the Tia Vasiliu Appreciation Podcast. Uh, (laughs) Welcome welcome to We Love Tia Vasiliu. Surprisingly not Tia Vasiliu, Nick White. So on that note, Brian, aside from the uh, skull-achingly terrible fact that you are not at New York Comic Con, how has your week been? What have you read? What have you done? What are your accomplishments and what is your five-year plan? (laughs) Oh, jeez. Oh, right at the gate. Or just answer the first, like, three, and we'll just skip the last two. <laughs> yeah, let's go with that. Um, I've been good. I've got a little bit of a cold, so if I sound like my head is kind of stuffed up, I apologize. That's just because it is. But <laughs> this has been uh, Brian's week of Star Wars. I noticed that. I noticed that. I looked at the notes, and it was like, huh, Brian has read, like, 35-plus issues <laughs> of, like, Two books. Yeah. <laughs> Would you care to share what those two books were with us, Brian? So I've got the the Marvel Unlimited app, um, which I originally got because I wanted to read Secret Wars, and then I read Civil War, and then I remembered that Marvel's doing Star Wars now. So I read 18 issues of Darth Vader and 18 issues of Star Wars and kind of like OD'd on that. I was going to say, do you have a favorite of the two? Which, which do you prefer? Uh, I definitely prefer Darth Vader over Star Wars. Okay. Really? Okay. Because tell me more. Luke Skywalker is a whiny little shit kicker and I want nothing oh, to do with fucking, him. That's fucking true. dweeb. <laughs> I, I want to take his lunch money. Uncle Owen, I'm never going to get off this planet where all people get our bull cuts. That's right. Now go <laughs> fix, that, fix that fucking droid. Yeah, like, oh. that's like speaking as a guy who had his lunch money stolen in the past, like, I want to take Luke's lunch money. <laughs> so that's that's a pretty severe problem. But Leia is so awesome in the Star Wars line. Not in her own line. Her own line was terrible. 
But in the Star Wars line, she's you know what awesome. though? She's also she's also awesome in uh, Han Solo. Oh really? Okay, so she's, I definitely need to find this. She's barely in it, but when is she's the there, it's cool. No, I think issue okay. five is coming out this week, maybe or next week. Okay, I just read okay. issue so four. So I assume last that night. means you also read. Um, were you able to read the whole uh, what is it Vader down arc, or was that yep. not included? Yep, because that's just between Star Wars and Darth Vader. So that's all mm-hmm. in there. Oh, I, I just didn't know if it was far enough in the issues that you were allowed to read. Because you're still technically a few behind because it's Marvel Unlimited, right? Yeah. No, I'm like seven issues behind. It's like it's like six months or it's something It's like six like months, that. yeah. Right. But still, you know, pretty good experience, pretty good stuff. Do you think you're going to... Um, has this motivated you to maybe like try to get current with these books? Or are you just in a, you know what, this was really, really good, but I'm just going to keep reading it. Marvel Unlimited style. Yeah, I, I'm content to keep reading it behind because I don't. Okay. I don't know anybody who's like super into these books and always talking about them whenever a new issue comes out. So there's no, uh, there's no real Imperative. reason I need to worry about yeah. like spoilers or anything like that. So you know. You, you, you just don't want to be, like, the one guy, like, standing by the water cooler who, like, wants to desperately talk about this, <laughs> these, like, two topics that, like, no one else cares about. Right. Who thought, Brian, that there would be a day where someone would get excited about Star Wars and everyone else would be like, fuck off? <laughs> <laughs> I think that day was t- sometime between 2003 and 2005. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> listen, listen. Some of us really like pod racing, okay? Some of us... Some of us have a Reading real you know, soft spot in our hearts for Jake Lloyd. Statistically, somebody had to. <laughs> what about you, Kate? Were you were you overdosing on Star Wars, or did you find no, yourself reading? No, I just want to say, reading Darth Vader always and enjoying it always makes me feel a little like Joffrey. Like, yeah, kill each other. Yes, for my entertainment. Um, yeah, there's an element anyway. of that. You're not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it feels so good to be bad. Okay. Um, oh, go no. ahead and cut that, oh, Xander. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's got to stay. Um, so anyway, let's see. I read Wicked and Divine, Volume 4, which speaking of things you kind of sometimes wish you were up to date on because the internet is dark and full of spoilers. Um, mm-hmm. That is definitely one of those series that there were some spoilers for this book that I came across by accident. Thanks a lot, Tumblr. Ooh, Yeah. You can't it's go on It's definitely one of those books where if you're behind, mm-hmm. you better just go rip your router out of the wall. And yeah, just exactly. Pray to the gods that nothing happens. Tear it out and eat it to gain its strength. It it was a little spoiled, but at the same time, I still really liked it. I mean, I liked it as much as the last three. So I, I think this series is doing a good job, staying really consistent. Um, and, and that's awesome, that's that's hard to awesome. do. Too. It yeah, is now. Very is hard this to the do. is this the arc with the rotating artists, or is that the one? No, it. that was the, that was the one. No, that was the it? one. That was volume three. Yeah. Okay. Which was also cool, but different. It was because you're doing kind of like side stories. So this is back to the main, the main thing. Bread and butter, Kieran yeah. Gillen and, and Jamie McKelvey. Well, and the main like continuity storyline kind of thing. Sure, um, sure. Big things happen. If you want them spoiled for you, go on Tumblr. Um, and I also read. I got caught up to date with the Night of the Monster Men uh, series, like. What? Are we calling it a mini It's an event. The event Let's call series, it an event. Yeah. It's, let's, okay. let's call it an event. What, so yeah. I what read, is this? Uh, this is the Batman White Nightwing Detective Comics crossover. Oh, event. okay. Got the it, one that's it. like, you're only purchasing 
two books a month from us? Well, get ready. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's about to get heavy. I just settled on my lawsuits. Now you're buying six books. <laughs> yep. Listen, if you start an M&M freestyle, I will finish it. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's another one of DC's fun events where they bounce you back and forth between books, and uh, either you're reading the other ones or you're not. And um, yeah, you'll have to let me know how it goes, because I have not read any of it yet. Well, two but, of uh, yours are sitting at my house, so don't, that's don't panic. Don't that's panic. True. They're coming. Okay. I definitely recommend reading them all in order, because I think it, it'd be a much different experience not to. Um, so I caught up, I did Detective Comics, uh, 941, which I thought the highlight of was that Andrew McDonald, the artist on that book, fixes Gotham Girl's costume for us. Thank God. Now she has some pants to go with her skirt. Like, they're like essentially leggings so that we don't have her flying around in a napkin. Um, I saw I mean, she still has the napkin, but they put, and then after that, the other artists for the other books continue that costume change so it's very low-key like it wasn't in batman or nightwing before that and then because this is the third book in the story arc right and then sure uh, yeah good they, old they, mcdonald they is like no to a woman about no. it and... yeah exactly and so they did that and that was awesome but also this i am enjoying this series so much more than i thought i would and i know i talked about it i'm on here before and was a little hesitant and now i'm all like gung-ho everyone should read this um, if you like awesome things, this is the crossover <laughs> event for you. If you don't, you don't know what that word means. That's right. If I you read... don't, you're already at DC Comics, so just <laughs> buckle your seatbelt and we'll be there in a month or two. <laughs> so, Wink. It was Batman number eight and Nightwing number six. Um, and they, I mean, it's it's awesome monster I think fighting it's action. Five, isn't it? Not to be like. Uh no, I'm I'm pretty sure Nick. You could Nightwing f- right, number five right. was the first one in the arc. Seven and five oh, were okay. the Sorry. so this week's were six and eight. You're not and Mike. The you next can't one to, actually like that. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we're gonna question your authority, new dad. <laughs> yeah. Um. So then the the final one comes out next week. Uh, Detective Comics nine hundred forty two. Don't you just love that they reset the numbers on that book? Yeah, it's so very now confusing. You get this huge mouthful. It's just DC Comics wanting to be able to put a four-digit stamp yeah, on, like, action badly. comics and detective comics. <laughs> Ask Paul. Paul will tell you. Paul Paul absolutely loves the fact that they've returned the numbers because he wants to see a thousand on both I mean, of those. it is pretty cool. I, 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 I can be happy for Paul, I guess. <laughs> I don't usually enjoy being happy for other people because what's the point but it's <laughs> sure. it's paul so you know what paul I'll, I'll i'll let you have this one it's a weird little superficial thing but um <laughs> y- you can have it okay well on that note my actual like favorite thing this week was green sure. valley number one which is the new are we calling it a mini or a maxi series it's nine issues so i think it might actually fall under maxi, i will but... put my foot down and formally declare that a maxi and okay. if anyone disagrees um just uh, go tweet Max Landis about it because he's no stranger to Twitter controversy. So uh. <laughs> That's true. Um, so anyway, like you said, it's Max Landis and art by, can't pronounce his name, Giuseppe Camincoli, maybe? Um, but anyway, okay. so this we talked about it last episode. Mike and I were real excited, and it lived up to all of the hype. Um, it's like a weird cross of Firefly and Game of Thrones. So you have these knights who are kind of have a Zoe and Captain Reynolds vibe, like with the banter, and it's really witty and fun kind of stuff. And then freaking Drogo and company shows up, and they have to battle the Horde, and stuff goes wrong, and you have this awesome start to an interesting series, and the art is gorgeous. 
Okay, and that's from Boom, right? That's no, from no, no, Boom? that's Image. That's Image. Oh, jeez. Oh, All right, Nick White. <laughs> We're probably batting like 0 for 3 at this point, so uh, let's hope I can get my own books right. Anybody who bet on Nick for this week's pool is going to be out a lot of money. Nick White, inspiring <laughs> doubt in every other podcaster. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Hey, I also, because of uh, Mike talking about it, picked up Death of X on an impulse buy. Um, yeah. And we, since he's not here, we should talk about how dumb Cyclops' face is in the whole thing. What the? Okay. Like, they gave him this mask that is the most ridiculous thing I've seen yet on him. Is that uh, the, the, the black and red bondage mask, or is that something else? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. The gimp mask. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> It's it's pretty Gimp good, lasers. The, <laughs> the the big leather mask with the red X over the front. Oh, yep, God. that's the one. And so um they they Do show you ever up think maybe and... they should just create different masks for him, you know, where like the laser the laser beam comes out in like different decorative shapes or things like that. I think you know <laughs> he it's has like the Christmas you know, mask it's, it's, that's all it's, like it's like a view master where you just pull down the you know, the, the, the little handle on the side sure. and it, you know, rotates into different shapes, you know. That's why haven't Marvel, they done this, Nick? call us. That's yeah. right. There's a real missed so opportunity many, there. So many good ideas. You know? Storm could get, like, the mist going, and he could laser into it, do a nice show. And ELO and, uh, and Pink Floyd, <laughs> the wall. Yep. Cyclops could be cool. He could be cool. Missed opportunity. Um, <laughs> but we all know how Marvel feels about mutants right now. If he anyway, was cool, so. he wouldn't be it's Cyclops true. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Mike comes oh, back man. and we're all fired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fired. Sure. <laughs> okay, Nick, how about you? What did you read this week? Nick, save us. I read... Yeah, well, <laughs> I read a very weird, odd assortment of stuff. I um, A couple weeks ago, when they had Batman Day, I bought a bunch of things, which included Batman Europa, which is a four-issue hmm. miniseries. Um, it's kind of a weird idea for a book it was like a 25 dollar four issue hardcover so i was like not in that format thank you but it's like it's a mystery and it basically is structured on the idea that batman and the joker have both been infected with a virus it is slowly killing both of them and um, the problem is that they decide that they're going to have to join forces, which, of course, one of them is much more um, okay with than the other. You obviously don't need to guess which one. No, I played, I played Arkham City. I don't know how this rolls out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And um, they trace the origins of this virus originally to, I think, Berlin. And it turns into a sort of, well, I guess you could call it Batman meets Euro Trip. Each issue is structured around oh, a different God. city. <laughs> I believe it goes, um, let me see, I think it's Berlin, Prague, Paris, Rome. And they're trying to obviously hunt down who infected them and why did this person infect both of them. And let me see. This, I think, ended in January, so I'm trying to debate whether or not I should spoil the ending, because it was massively disappointing, Aww. and uh, the villain behind it is totally not capable of doing this, so... Hmm. Um, well, I'm pretty, well, sure, spoil, pretty sure but... Calendar Man is the, the big bad guy right now, <laughs> so... No, geez, Calendar Man might actually be capable of this. This guy is definitely not capable of this. Um, aside, uh, aside from that, Brian Azzarello wrote it, which was okay. Um, and actually, I think Giuseppe Carmuncoli, the artist of your your book, um, the one with Landis, right. was the one who drew it. So it was oh, very, so very it must pretty. Look nice, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was actually 
relatively well written. Um, it's actually in some weird ways sort of like an edutainment sort of thing. You learn a little bit about the history of these cities and whatnot, and it's just the ending is terrible. The villain is not great, and if you have basically dealt with some of the Batman and Joker are sort of like symbiotic creatures, you know, that feed off of each other and one needs the other to survive, this ending will not uh, surprise anyone. Um, it yeah. wouldn't recommend unless you're getting it at a low price. Other than that, I, I did finally, I'm so behind, but I did finally read Batman 5, so uh, I haven't read the epilogue, but I did finally finish the whole Gotham arc. Um, I thought it was very interesting. I thought the nuances of how Gotham and Gotham Girls' powers function and how they operate was an interesting twist. And I would encourage readers, towards the end of the issue, Gotham Girl is actually the one narrating it. And she lets slip a couple little interesting tidbits about the future. And readers who missed this... Go back and read them again. I had to reread it a couple times to make certain I figured this out. But there is some very subtle foreshadowing going on there. Go back and read it. Beyond that, I read Prometheus Life and Death number four. Um, Kind of seems to have the exact same ending as Predator Life and Death number four. So kind of a little weird there. Don't know how I feel about that. Prometheus is alien, right? Prometheus is alien, yes. Prometheus okay. are the engineers. I don't know if you know much about alien, but the engineers <laughs> are sort of these creatures that, like, created life on some of the planets. They're sort of like the, you know, they're basically a living god of sorts. Okay. Um, Just read uh, read Predator versus Judge Dredd versus Aliens. It'll tell you all you need to know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love how the guy who talks nonstop about Alien at me is like, I don't know how much you know about Alien. I'm like, well, yeah, well, you know, I, <laughs> I try have not. This friend I try that not just to goes assume, on and on. <laughs> you know, something that's so whether you care or not permeated culture. You know, to yeah, whatever no, extent, no, I, you know, I'm giving you a hard time. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, well, don't do that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. It's not okay. <laughs> Nick White. Threats and misinformation. <laughs> his, his trademark staples. Um, but the other book I would definitely want to talk about is I read The Shadow, Volume 1, written by Garth Ennis and drawn by Aaron Campbell, Campbell, who is also known for drawing Andy Diggle's series Uncanny for Dynamite. I picked up some of these trades in a uh, Dynamite The Shadow sale a couple months ago, um, because really I know next to nothing about the Shadow. Um, I knew that he was one of these characters that had obviously inspired Batman, and he kind of came around around the same time as Batman, but I didn't know much other than the whole idea that it was like a radio show and the whole tagline of, who knows, I'm going to botch this, but who cares, it's me, that's all I do. Uh, Who knows what lies, (laughs) who knows what darkness lies in the heart of men, only the Shadow knows. Um, and I knew dun, it's, dun, no, it's dun. a dude with a, with a red scarf who shoots people with guns, which works for Garth Ennis because violence is his number one thing. And based on the fact that it's Garth Ennis, I can tell you what lies in the hearts of men. It's a bunch of bullets that were <laughs> shot and put there by the shadow. He is a very fucking violent guy. I think within the first three to four pages, um, he's blowing a guy's eyeballs out by shooting him in the back of the head and the eyeballs fly out the front. Um, and there, a couple pages later, he's impaling someone, I think, in the head with a broken wine, uh, sorry, champagne glass. So um, he's uh, resourceful. Um, he is, um, you know, improvisational, I guess you could say. Those are, you know, positive traits. Um, but holy cow, the takeaway from this book, the shadow has a weird, insane, all over the board, 
unbelievably messed up crazy power set like unbelievable like, like he can he br- yeah neither did yeah, I well he can like bring people like back to like back to life and like talk to their like corpse and get information like of course this was done in like the 20s or 30s so it isn't it wasn't considered not politically correct at the time to be like he went over to the mystical east and he learned some real weird shit yeah um of course, that's now he Orientalism. He mastered their ways. Um, which critical theory has some fun things to say about. But yeah, he got some weird abilities, and he can, um, he has like limited, limited like precognition. Iron Fist. He can also like, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> he can like follow the trail of your life, and so sometimes people will be walking by, and, he, and he'll be like, "You're gonna die in three years. Have fun." Um, You're gonna die in three, <laughs> the, two, the yeah. hero we need. One. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And he's just, he's like, you're going to die, in, and he just whips out his watch, and he's like, hold on, hold on. And then he murders you. Now. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I read The Shadow. It's weird. It's violent. It's interesting. Um, it's a weird place to jump into a book. Uh, I didn't ever really think Garth Ennis would be a good introductory point for a series, but there you go. So, that's what I read. Comics, of course, come out this week on October 12th. Well, what are you guys interested in? Brian, what's your pick for this week? Uh, my pick for this week is Clone Conspiracy number one. It's Brian, this, what uh, the hell is Clone Conspiracy <laughs> number one? Well, it's a Marvel comic, and it's about clones. So I'm going to let you go ahead and Isn't guess, that like what uh, the Marvel Universe like is already like? Wasn't that like the whole scroll thing kind of? Oh, wait, I guess that was more like scrolls. Yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah. Not really clones. Yeah, the, the scrolls are kind of clones. The scrolls are more scrolls than clones, correct. <laughs> Nick Way, gonna talk on end about Marvel, knows nothing. <laughs> no, it's the new... I mean, uh, technically, um, there's tons of clones in their verse now, because they have Star Wars, but... I was gonna say, Brian, like, you read a lot of Spidey books, don't you? Yep, and this is one of those. So you must be... <laughs> I was gonna say, you must be very familiar with the concept of clones. Isn't that basically, like, the bread and butter of Spider-Man universe? Yep. If it's not clones, it's something <laughs> else. Like, uh... Doc Ock taking over Spider-Man's body or something. I still have that issue from when I was a kid, and it's, um, I think it's the clone of Peter Parker, and he ends up dying when, like, the Green Goblin, uh, parks his hover scooter board in this guy's back. I think this was Ben, <laughs> ben, ben, ben Parker. Ben Riley. Does this sound right? Yeah, okay. I had that issue. That kind of ruined me as a kid, honestly. Um, I was like, he's like a person, but, but he's not like, what is he? Also, why did that guy basically bury his hover scooter in this guy's back? Like, this is a terrible, (laughs) terrible book. Who gave this to me, a child? This is the last time I go to your garage sale ever again. (laughs) But, uh, this, from what I can tell, and I haven't read a whole lot about it. I just found out this was a thing last night. And you're like, it's a Spidey book, so it's it's mine, right? I mean, yeah, that's that's pretty much how I work. But it's supposed to be like touching on like themes of life and death, and if you can defy death, is that right or wrong? And if someone is a bad guy, but they can cure death, are they still a bad guy? Like, fucking hell! I thought you were reading comic books, not like, geez, psychoanalysis, Brian. We like our comic books dumb here at I Read Comic Books. This sounds. Like too much. Sorry, I'll go back to read. I'll go back to talking about Squirrel Girl. 
Uh, so tell me who's on this book, Brian. I don't actually know because I'm bad at preparing for this podcast. Awesome. <laughs> Fucking awesome. <laughs> Mike's going to be pissed. We'll just assume it's Dan Slott. There you go. Um, Mike, Mike never asks Nick, me who's on Nick this Nick White's book. wrong about Marvel again. Surprise. My real dad doesn't care. All right. <laughs> oh, you're, you're going to kick out of this. The writer is Dan Slott. Fucking knew it. <laughs> who's on art, Brian? Jim Chung? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With cover sure. by uh, Gabrielle Delato. Okay. What characters are involved in this one? Man, Spider-Man and the Jackal. Who's the Jackal again? I don't honestly know. This is my first time encountering the Jackal in a uh, Spider-Man comic book. I figured maybe you meant like Craven the Hunter, but I was like, Brian would not make that mistake. No, even Brian I know that. Amateur hour, yeah. No, it just says the Jackal is back and has conquered the death. Back. So like The Jackal is back. Just in time, because Brian didn't know who he was the first time. Thank God. Is there anything else about this book that's drawing you to it, other than these weighty philosophical debates that you apparently say this book is going to embody? Or at least Marvel apparently claims this book is going to embody? It's mostly just that. I'm really looking forward to watching... I don't know, I like watching my children struggle. And, uh... <laughs> okay. Boy, is Peter Parker good for that. No fucking kidding. No fucking kid, kidding. Kid has a hard time. We will have to talk about Peter Parker later because he features prominently into our topic for today. And how. Let me tell you that. What about you, Kate? What's your pick for this week? Well, my pick is the last issue of the Night of the Monster Men uh, event. It's Detective Comics okay. number 942. Um, so then I can go back to spending significantly less money on comics every week, which will be great. Hooray! But, but this has been totally worth it. It's been totally worth it, kids. Um, so this is written by James Tinian and Steve Orlando. I believe it's a story bo- by both of them, and then Orlando does actual scripts for this. And then art is by McDonald. Again, he gave us pants, so he's in my good good list. Um, he also does just a really nice job on art. So they they figured out that Hugo Strange is behind all these crazy monsters that are attacking them, um, which isn't a big spoil. You which were, isn't spoilers it's, because it's not. I'm you only learn on issue five and I, I know that too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so calm down, kids. Take a deep breath. But anyway. Um, I got so my pitchfork out for nothing. <laughs> that's right. Kate is not allowed to spoil Batman on this podcast. I am allowed that's to spoil Nick's Batman job. on this podcast. That's right. Okay. We've all got our sticks. Um, <laughs> so anyway, he's off to face him one-on-one, um, for our big, you know, finale, uh, which I hope is an awesome slugfest, but he's really had to come to terms with, uh, this, ho- this whole arc. He's been fighting hard, trying to keep his whole team really safe and not letting them do what they do, um, and do best because he's afraid of them getting hurt. Because if you'll recall, we lost a Robin recently. Um, some of us don't. <laughs> you totally know that from the issues you've read, Nick. Um, Batman one through five. Nope. I mean, and I know who it is, but uh, yeah. I didn't know. The, that. Okay, it totally hasn't been in this. It hasn't been in this crossover event at all. It's just mentioned as like this is a thing that happened in the past. So. It's not like sure. part of the event or anything. It ha- it was pre- okay. before I picked it up. It was before, and I've been reading since the uh, Cro- re- since rebirth the or whatever. Started. Yeah, and it wasn't in that, right. so it must have been before that. But anyway, I just figured it was something I missed on New Fifty Two when I dropped off at like Volume Four of Snyder's Run. <laughs> Mm-mm. Huh. Mm-mm. Well, maybe it's one of the yeah. Robin series then. Anyway, 
Uh, one yeah. of our Robins has died previous to all this, previous to this I event. I think it was Detective it, pre-event. Okay, yeah, go ahead. okay. Well, sorry about that. I didn't know I was spoiling something. Um, you now, didn't say who it was. That's now okay. You Robins die all the time. Out, People know that. Bust out the pitchforks. Yeah, I don't even That's know why which you Robin have it so was. many Robins. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. So anyway, he's being very protective and is really worried about his team, but he's had to come to terms over these issues with um, the fact that he has to trust them or sacrifice the city because if they aren't allowed out to do what they do best, then these monsters are going to win. And so he's kind of come to terms with this and his kind of, um, at least where we left off, uh, seems more open to this, that he has a really capable, well-trained bat family. Um, But at the same time, he needs to go and face Strange alone, which is kind of a dichotomy. But anyway, um, so that should be interesting and fun, and I'm looking forward to it. How about you, Nick? Um, well, I'm sorry. I was just busy thinking of how on the front of the next issue it should read just, you know, it's gonna get strange. So but, that was just all okay, that was there's in there's a total head. whole other, like, element to this that I definitely can't talk about even a little bit because it would be a massive spoiler and you might be mad at me. <laughs> so, like, mm. um, but yeah, it, it is gonna be really interesting and strange. Sure. Okay. Well, my pick for this week is Britannia number two. Or Britannia number two, if you don't know how to speak English, in which case <laughs> it's Britannia. Um, Britannia is a miniseries from Valiant. It is a very weird one because it actually takes place around 60 AD in the Roman Empire. Um, and the first issue definitely pushed some weird boundaries for Valiant. Um, I should mention it's Peter Milligan writing, who for me is the writing equivalent of the subreddit um, 5050. <laughs> um, you either come away really fearing for your life and never wanting to open a computer again, or other times you're like, this was actually pretty good. I hope next time I'm this lucky. Do they um, cute puppies or a fatal car crash? That, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And next time it's going to be the cute puppies in a fatal car crash. Oh. So uh, that's Reddit 50-50 for you. Um, and Juan Jose Reap is on art, who has done art for quite a few Valiant books. He most recently did the prequel to Eternal Warriors of Labyrinth. But you've, so you've got this guy who's a Roman centurion, like I said, Roman Empire, 60 AD, Nero is emperor at the time, which gives you an idea of how fucking sweet things are, aka not sweet at all. Um, AKA on and fire, one of just burning garbage. AKA file. it's bad, yeah. And so that's kind of another unique thing is that it doesn't seem to play into any other Valiant books, and it's very much more vested and entrenched in history than some of the other titles. And you have this Roman centurion, and one of the Vestal Virgins comes to him. If you don't know what those are, <laughs> look it up. They're entrusted with protecting the sacred flame. It's yeah, a rare moment of that. female agency within the Roman Empire. It's Just look it up. You have Wikipedia. Go figure it out. Anyway, <laughs> they're in a prominent position. She comes to him and says, like, I need you to go find this one of my sisters. And the, the guy is like, look, like, I can't help you. The punishment for deserting um, the Roman Empire is understandably death because what else would it be? And she's like, well, I need you to help me because I can't ask Nero because if Nero finds out that, like, you know, the the, the all-seeing, all-powerful Vestal Virgins lost track of one of their own, we're going to lose face. 
So he goes off, and in the first issue he finds her, but he also ends up tracking her down to this really weird, creepy, like, death cult, which hangs out in a cave shaped like a skull, which is actually on the checklist for things you need if you are forming a death cult. (laughs) Um, It's probably the hardest one to do. It's actually the reason that most death cults never get started, because they can't find the fucking cave. Well, they found it. I believe a skull-shaped eyelid will also suffice. (laughs) <laughs> exactly, exactly. These things are hard to come by. Um, if you're in real estate, snatch up one of these things. It's going to be worth money. Just don't ask questions about the, the clientele. That's all, <laughs> sure. really. Um, so he goes there, he saves her, but there's also something really weird and monstrous in the cave, and in a very Lovecraftian sort of way, he goes fucking insane from seeing whatever it was, uh, and he kind of gets... A little broken in the head, I guess you could say. Um, and then the book jumps forward six um, six years, and, and he, long story short, is sort of asked to confront these weird monsters in Britannia, one of the far-flung colonies of the Roman Empire, and he gets sent out there to investigate it. And he's regarded as apparently the world's first detective, I guess hmm. you could say. So I was like, interesting. So it's Valiant. It seemingly isn't tied into other Valiant it's probably as va- vi- it's probably as violent as Valiant has gotten. It's probably as close to nudity stuff as Va- Valiant's gotten, and it's seemingly unrelated to anything else. So interesting, grotesque, violent, weird, very much in line with probably what some someone would expect out of Game of Thrones or that actual show called Rome. Go figure. <laughs> and that's my pick, and I would definitely recommend it. It's four issues. It's a mini series. You can get in and out and read the whole thing for sixteen bucks. It has really cool covers. I yes. came close to impulse buying it because of the cool cover. Very, very pretty Carrie Nord covers. You can never go wrong with Carrie Nord covers. Who cares about the inside of the book? Carrie Nord covers, beautiful. Do you feel like your gaming habits are weighing you down? When we play Dungeons & Dragons, we're dragging books, maps, and minis, and there's never enough room for awesome dimensional terrain. Mobilescape Adventures was founded exactly for this reason. They're creating portable tabletop RPG terrain for games like D&D, Pathfinder, Warhammer, and many other systems. Take everything you need to tell a fantastic story in a folder or envelope. Mobilescape Adventures terrain is printed on flat board that mounts vertically and adds a third dimension to your gaming. It sets up quickly and packs flat. They have trees, rocks, dungeon tiles, cottages, towers, and much, much more. See for yourself and check out Mobilescape Adventures on Kickstarter. Now, I've been using the terrain prototypes for this Kickstarter for, I think, the last six months. Ed, who is the DM of a weekly game that I play, has been bringing newer and nicer and cooler looking versions of the terrain that they've been building up to to get to the Kickstarter. So it's been really awesome to actually have a full map set up on top of one of those vinyl maps with the squares on it. And so you've got your map and you've got your basic idea, but this adds just an extra layer of flair in the game. It's been really, really cool. So if you play D&D or Pathfinder or whatever, it's something that has a you know a grid system that you need to play on, make sure you go back this on Kickstarter. Uh, it ends on October 27th. This is a really, really cool system. I, I wouldn't be talking about it on the show if I didn't believe in it. So please go back it on Kickstarter. That's Mobilescape Adventures. It's a terrain set. It's fantastic. And so once again, only one man 
clever enough that you have perpetrated such a dastardly crime. Ha! And I thought you were ready to give up. We're going to talk about the topic of retconning this week. It's actually something we sort of hinted at earlier when we talked about how Peter Parker's pretty much only bent on doing two things, and that's chewing bubblegum and suffering endlessly, and his family members <laughs> suffering endlessly, and his friends suffering endlessly, and nothing ever going right. And as you guessed it, he's all out of double bubble. Aww. Now, what does that have to do with retconning? It's a good question. I'm glad you asked. And if you're saying I didn't ask, well, you were thinking about it, clearly. You've come to the wrong um, podcast. So, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, let's talk about what retconning is first, and then we'll apply that to Peter Parker, because retconning plays a huge part in Peter Parker and the Peter Parker verse. So, what is retconning? Well, if you believe in going to Google, or you believe in starting every boring speech you give with a quote from Merriam-Webster... Webster's Dictionary defines retconning as... Um, I think there's actually a circle of hell dedicated to anyone who starts a speech with that. Um, it is to revise an aspect of a fictional work retrospectively, typically by introducing a piece of new information that imposes a different interpretation on previously described events. Now, what does that mean in plain English? For the most part, when it comes to comics, it usually means people have decided that in order to better rectify where they're going to take events in a story or something, they have to go back to previous events and actually change them, sometimes smoothly, sometimes not that smoothly at all. Uh, sometimes it has readers going, wait, that doesn't make any sense at all. Um, and that is when you often hear people going, oh, retconning, retconning is the worst. Um, what do you guys, what do you guys think? What's your definition or understanding of retconning or what did you discover um, in, in looking into this topic? Well, for me, I think retconning is pretty essential when you have several decades worth of story for specific characters. You, A, not only need it to be able to go back and create new and interesting things for the character to do and different ways for them to interact with their world and different ways for the world to change and expand with the times, but also because these characters that showed up in, you know, the 50s and whatnot um, sometimes need to be correct corrected because we know better because it's 2016. So especially some of the female characters like Batgirl and Batwoman, like, they retconned them to not be awfully, horribly sexist, which was amazing. And now we get a new Batwoman. Um, so originally she was um, brought in because there was all the like talk and rumors of Batman and Robin being gay. So they brought in Batwoman as a love interest to see, like, huh. prove to the homophobes that Batman and Robin weren't. Uh, gay or whatever. And now Batwoman's gay, so jokes on you. Exactly, which is, and, and now we actually have a queer woman who's going to be writing the new Batwoman line, so uh, it's all perfect, because the big complaint with the original Batwoman was like, this is super cool and everything, but why do we have all dudes writing it? very pretty. Yeah. very pretty. Why do we have all dudes? So now we actually have a queer woman writing our queer female character, which is just the best. So, yay for Margaret Bennett. For me, it always seems like just a fallback for when they realize that They've taken things Bring off the table. Into a corner. Mm, yeah. yeah, I mean, more. More, I'm thinking of just like when when Peter Parker and Mary Jane got married. There were certain things that were no longer possible. Like, unless you want to make Spider Man cheat on his wife, 
then you can't introduce any kind of new romances for Spider-Man or for Mary Jane. Right, right, right. And so they have to go back and one more day, suddenly there's no more uh, more marriage there. (laughs) Which to our listeners, when he says, when Brian says one more day, he's referring to an actual story arc. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's uh, it's infamous. It's infamous. Oh, is that the one where? Oh, yes. Where he I've, makes I've a literal deal <laughs> with the literal devil. That's like that's the like save. Oh, I think it's to save Aunt May or something because that's why he does eighty percent of the shit he does. But it's, yeah, you know, it's it's shit's fucked up, and the only way to save it is for him to give up his marriage, make it so that it never happened, and like they lose their kid and all that stuff. And correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't that the other arc where they were having to remedy the fact that Spider-Man had actually revealed his true identity to the world and they needed to wipe it? Or was that something else? I thought this was before that, but you might be right. Okay. And that's one thing that I hate about continuity, or about retcons, is it confuses the hell out of continuity. (laughs) It does, yeah. So with with retconning, especially in terms of Spider-Man, you have the editors and the writers of Spider-Man constantly, and its affiliated titles, deciding that Peter Parker is too happy, Peter Parker is in a stable relationship, Peter Parker has kids, Peter Parker has a five-year plan, (laughs) uh, and they're not wrong, and deciding that that's just not a good place for comic books to be, or at least... Back in that day, that was pretty much, you know, what you needed. Superheroes can't age. Superheroes can't die. Superheroes need to be alone. And those are the ideals. Um, And yeah, so frequently they would realize that they had taken a step too far with Peter Parker. And they would have to inch it back. Yeah, and instead of having some Um, kind of like, you know, character arc where he and Mary Jane grow distant and fight and realize it's not working. Instead they just go, uh, never (laughs) happened. Oh, a whole arc of them in marriage counseling. <laughs> I'll write the Spider-Man divorce story. It's, uh, I'll send you guys the link to my fanfic later. Peter Parker, she's taking the kids, issue one. <laughs> but I think another thing that frequently you see retconned, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, is that the Spider-Verse really loves clones. Oh, they love clones. Clones are so good. And so characters that you thought were um, miraculously alive again, or that you thought were just, well... Normal people turn out to be clones. Sometimes we don't even know who's the clone and who's not. That's... Exactly. And that's not a real fun thing for readers. I don't think it's something you find recently. But yeah, Spider-Verse is full of all sorts of retcons. That is for certain. I think that which one of us is the real one, kill us both, Spock, it's the only way to be sure. Like, that's good once. <laughs> but if you ever try to pull that crap again then it's real hacky. That's a fun one, that's for sure. What about this latest, most obvious one, the entire line uh, retconning that DC's doing? What do you think about that? Where they're retconning their retcon? Yeah, exactly, exactly. They're retconning their retcon. It's it's like Inception-level retconning over here. <laughs> I think it would be a better question would be, who retcons the retcon, considering that this retcon Oh, that's the tagline right there. That's the episode oh, name. Oh, snap. <laughs> oh, who retcons uh, the retcon. So for those of you who haven't read Rebirth number one, of course we know that Rebirth is DC's attempt to rectify what they've more or less admitted to be a failure, known as the New 52. And if you read Rebirth number one, they basically explain... <laughs> they basically explained that the new 52 
is nothing more than a bad dream, basically. <laughs> uh, they say that, and this is going to get a little geeky, but just bear with me here. Um, at the end of Flashpoint, uh, the Flash is attempting to reconstruct our universe um, as he remembers it. Uh, and that's the problem. Uh, his memory isn't perfect. He doesn't get everything right. And because he doesn't get everything right, you end up with um, the new 52 looking different than the pre-Flashpoint universe. He couldn't right. remember who was white in a dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's like, oh, man. Oh, shit, can't remember. Was he Hispanic? Oh, I don't remember. You guys are expecting me to remember everything. This is so fucking tough. But to be fair, if I remember right, the Flash ended up in that mess in the first place because he was getting selfish and I think trying to save his wife by going back through time. I don't remember. I, that I know part nothing very about the Flash. Don't get me going like, on time okay. travel either. Less than nothing. Exactly. So well, time travel is so, yeah, a really you, frequent way to retcon stuff. Hi, Star Trek. How you doing? Days of Future Past. Yeah, that too. Yeah, it's it's a mess. I think but, Star Trek yeah, did a great job with their version of time travel to retcon stuff. I thought that worked really smoothly. How'd they do that? I'm not a big um, Trek where guy. the they. Okay, so in the new line of movies, which now there's three of, um, oh, the, okay. yeah. wh- what's their faces? Not Romulans, I don't think. But anyway, they um, Vulcans. No, it's the Romulans. It's a separate universe. No, 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 no. That's the whole deal with the latest. It's, movies. it's the baddies, not the Vulcans. But they, yeah, the Romulans. It, they, yeah, okay. So they, their mining ship like gets pulled into a thing and pulls their ship with them, and then they get sent essentially back. It so it, it changes the continuum. So now we have two Spocks, the young one and the. the uh, Leonard Nimoy, and everything is, yeah, is different because now we're at the beginning of our adventures where Kirk is, Kirk is young and just taking over, but things are slightly different, obviously, and they have adventures, and it's awesome, and there's so much lens flare, so much lens flare. Benedict Cumberbatch's con. Yep, that happened. Yeah, so retcons have gone so far as, as DC Comics essentially retconning five... Five years? Five years worth of their books. Of their own retcon, say, yeah, yeah. Yeah, to say... It was all a bad um, dream. <laughs> it was really a bad dream, guys. It was a distortion. It was the Flash's fault. It wasn't our fault. Seriously, we didn't do it. That made me so angry. Yeah, to be honest, I was not a fan of that either. And I, like, I jumped on to DC Comics during the New 52. Me too. Me too. And so... And that's where I started with a lot of characters. Now everything that I know is a lie. Yep. And they're like, it was all a bad dream, but I'm like, but it was the greatest dream ever. That's why I read you. <laughs> so Exactly. I mean, yeah, it's true. For, for me as well, the New 52 was the first time I was buying singles. I was heavily uh, invested on a week-to-week basis. And I think as much as people didn't like it, if you want to talk about the topic of, of retconning, I think there really wasn't that much retconning within the New 52 itself that had to happen because one of the editorial mandates with the onset of the New 52, you know, they were trying mm-hmm. to be like, read it, readers need to find things accessible, stories need to start at a point where readers feel comfortable, um, and on top of that, there needs to be universe-wide continuity, which of course caused a lot of problems, because that meant that the editorial mandates from on high were insane and frequent, um, and fr- <laughs> right. frankly draconian in a lot of different ways. Um, Wait, there were dragons in the New 52? There were dragons in the New 52, Being sarcastic, yes. because uh, I know what Draconian means. Oh, yeah, no, I, I got it. Brian, I read all those books. There were, I know there were no dragons. Don't don't play with me. <laughs> Actually, I mean, there were, I was going to say there was Etrigan, but Etrigan is more of like a, a demon. Yeah. 
There might have been dragons and demon knights. Who knows? Um, yeah, but nobody so, read but, demon but knights. Point being, so. so do you prefer the alternate way that we frequently see these different takes, which is the it's a parallel universe where this one thing is different? Um, like oh, Earth yeah. 2 is the perfect example of that or the whole Battle Worlds thing and all that stuff. Do you prefer that over going right. through and doing a retcon? Or... Yeah, for sure. Okay. I, I think the problem is that there are definitely some pretty like there's almost like a paint by number sort of list of ways to do a retcon Um, and there are ones that are much more noticeable these days Uh, clones is one scrolls is another Um, of course like you were just mentioning um, it wasn't the so and so universe it was the parallel universe version or it was the earth 3 version Mm -hmm. or it was the earth 2 version um, that died and not the real one um, or ours really did die, but now we're getting the one from the other universe. Hi, old man Logan. Yeah. Right, right. You know, ours died, so now we have a new one who, you know, doesn't have the memories and doesn't have the abilities, and so we can basically tread through all of that again. Right, we can restart um, the character. Yeah, absolutely. In the, yep. in exactly. the present. Um, and, and readers definitely have been able to sniff those things out, and so, at least for me in a lot of ways retconning sort of has a parallel to the whole discussion within movies of um practical effects versus you know cg and everyone goes oh don't do cg you can see it when you know people do cg and it's so awful when in truth it's just bad cg right when you exactly can tell that it's cg and in the same way with retconning, retcons can be clunky yeah, and then you're noticing it and not terrible. liking it Exactly. When you notice a retcon's happening, by definition, it's 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 a bad retcon right. for the most part. Um, and there have been, you know, some retcons that have been beneficial. Um, one of which was, and I think I have this right. Um, I think it was Frank Miller's Year One. He actually went ahead and, like everyone else, decided to tell the Batman origin story because that hasn't been told eighteen million <laughs> times. But what's interesting is he actually made the killer of Bruce Wayne's parents just some anonymous guy instead of being like oh it was Joe Chill or you know oh it was the Joker so he sort of created this universe in which it was just much much more like anonymous you know chaos and and added the sort of mysterious element to it and of course they you know have retconned that multiple times since then but you know that's that's one example um another one for me at least that I can think of is when um uh, Jeff Lemire took over Green Arrow, uh, and he started changing a whole bunch of things and said, you know, guess what? Oliver Queen's dad is actually still alive, um, um, and the bad guy, Komodo, is actually his apprentice. And and to make things crazier, you know, not only is Oliver Queen's dad alive, but he was the one torturing him on the island. And Oliver Queen, what if Oliver Queen's time spent on the island was actually a preparation for this thing called the Outsiders, and it wasn't just this random, oops, I got shipwrecked on a on an island sort of thing. And so he, you know, took this one thing and he and he twisted it and then turned it into this much bigger, you know, universe of characters and whatnot. Right. It gives you a, a more story opportunities and different directions to go and interesting things to look at and tell. Yeah, and I think they call this like the secret origin form of a yeah, retcon, yep. where you all of a sudden realize that your character 
um, their their origin actually can be placed in slightly a slightly different context than normal. That Bruce Willis was um, really a ghost the whole time. Yeah, yeah <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it's it's exactly. the the adding stuff type of retcon as opposed to the taking out kind of retcon. But yeah, and it's the taking out that I really have a problem with, just because it leaves me as a reader feeling kind of disenfranchised. Yeah. When you were so invested in something, and then you're like, "Nope, it was a clone. It was a scroll." And you're like, "Wait, what? <laughs> that never happened. What?" <laughs> like it, it, it took me like a week of time by myself to reconcile the new Star Wars canon continuity. Wait, what's different in that? Well, they all the all the legends. They call them legends now. Oh, the oh, fact that, that they got rid of gone. all that. Yeah, yeah no, like, I am, yeah. Although it's you can't tell me that Han and Leia don't have twins. All those Jason and Daniel. hundreds of dollars and dozens yeah. of books that are yeah. just. Brian, but it means the Yazung Vong are gone, and that's fine. Uh, um, yeah. If we want to get real nth level shit. I mean, there's here. there's that. I kind I kind of like those guys though. Oh god, you're terrible. Thought they're 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 weird like coral ships that they grew, or thought those were really neat. So stupid. All right, well, this is the Star Wars Legends podcast. We're not over the fact that Disney has decided that none of that matters. <laughs> That's right. This is the the Jaina Solo Appreciation Podcast. It's going to be me and Nick just bare-knuckle boxing later. <laughs> You're going to fight over this Yazung Vong thing. I'm not fighting around. <laughs> that shit was stupid. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, obviously one of the more popular forms of retconning was killing off characters. Yep. Um, it was interesting. I saw this phrase on the internet um, that said, uh, basically, uh, the only people that stay dead in comics are Bucky, Uncle Ben, and Jason Todd. <laughs> uh, and that <laughs> basically tells you where comic book this idea of comic book death has gone because that's not even true anymore only one of those people has managed to stay dead and it wasn't jason todd because i don't understand people i guess um i know uncle ben is still alive in alternate universes he's actually yeah, i was uh, gonna say wasn't there just a revelation in like a book a year or two ago where there was some universe where he's alive yeah he's uh, he's spider ben he's actually like a spider yes. a spider hero there you go. There you go. Basically, that's it. Because there's um, a universe where everyone really... is Spider-Man. Like, somewhere in the Marvel multiverse, there is Nick White, Spider-Man. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oof. Terrifying. I mean, I, you know, I, 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 I get depressed all the time anyway already. I don't, I don't need, I don't need, um, you know, I don't need Peter Parker's, you know, problems. <laughs> so, there you go. Oof. This just got real. No, but I think that really says something about comic book death, as they call it, and and the fact that I think readers don't put any stock in the idea of the character dying um, anymore. Uh, It needs to be under certain circumstances for it to really hold true, especially because with the way that books are sort of shaped and planned by editorial these days, I don't think you have that sort of like left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing from like the sixties or whatever, where people were like mailing in their pages and they're like, wait, 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 what the fuck? You, you, you killed that guy. Like I have him on page 23 and he's perfectly fine. And, and of course the emphasis on Canon and continuity these days has almost sort of eliminated these ideas. And, and I think, Unfortunately, um, I think big publishers know that they honestly can't take the risk of of killing off, you know, um, a character that people might love, especially like a, a, a big character. I mean, I know when they killed off Robin, uh, Damien, Damien Wayne in the New 52, um, I forget if it was like almost instantly, but like all of the issues 
like the first couple issues were like Batman and he's like I'm gonna bring my son back and he's like I'm gonna visit these people that are gonna help me and then he visits like Frankenstein and he's like Frankenstein tell me what to do and Frankenstein's like dude like I'm reanimated people this shit's fucked up yeah. don't don't do this take it from a and guy Batman's who's like, fuck you there. I'm gonna go find a second opinion and then after that the issues were like subtitled like Batman and Robin you know colon like the road to Robin as if you ever had any doubt that like Damian Wayne was going to be brought back to life um and so like there wasn't even like the publishers weren't even going to be like you know it wasn't even like when your parents are like yeah Santa's real guys Santa's real DC is like we're in on this too we know this isn't going to stick like, <laughs> come on it's like That's... I remember how it was only a few years ago that they had that whole death of Wolverine event and you could totally tell who was into comics and who wasn't because people were like, this is a super big deal. And comic people were like, no, no, it's not. <laughs> He'll be back. Just or you wait. they killed off Captain America. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Death of Superman. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. And, and I think you can argue or, you know, look it up and figure it out. Like most of these things were like orchestrated and planned and it wasn't like, um, what was it I read? A good example would be apparently like the Dark Phoenix. Like Dark Phoenix was supposed to stay dead. Mm-hmm. Like back when they killed off Dark Phoenix, that was not meant to be a uh, check in with us in six months and she'll be <laughs> on this new team book that you have never heard of before. Um, like that was supposed to be like completely like done. Absolutely done. Um and and of course you, you you do sometimes have these characters that come back and they do contribute to the universe and they're not just a, a joke. I know a lot of people feel you know the return of Bucky Barnes was probably one of the best yeah um, returns we've ever seen and the return of Jason Todd. Um, good God, like oh man, can we like can we undo that again, please, please? <laughs> these all of our these red, two things that are our, basically like, red... the exact same thing from different publishers. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Superheroes, plucky sidekick returns as assassin bent on his destruction. Oh god, yeah, right. Jeez, oh man. To our like Red Hood and the Outlaws, or Red Hood and Arsenal, or whatever book Jason Todd is in, I I apologize, but he's 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 just not for me. Honestly, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. Like I, what what else do you? Guys I don't know. I don't I don't see like the whole conflict death thing as even being a retcon anymore because like yeah. you were saying. If it's planned, it's not. If it's some other writer taking up the thing yeah. and then bringing them back the way like Bucky Barnes was, where he was supposed to say that was just a different right. writer coming in and, and right. retroactively changing what happened. Whereas in the planned things... But these days, anything bad that happens, I assume that it's going to be undone. Like with That's why I didn't bat an eye at Hydra Cap. Right. But yeah. if it's not already planned, I think it's the big thing. Like, if this is parts of the storyline. Yeah, it goes through so many channels to get vetted, you know what I mean? That, uh, I mean, uh, to be fair, like, one of the ones I've, I've sort of debated is that um, Grant Morrison was the one who killed off Damian Wayne, and he killed him off in in his um, sort of, I guess you would call it maxi-series, uh, when he did Batman Incorporated. Um, and he killed off Damian Wayne, and he packed up his toys and left because that's what Grant Morrison <laughs> Took his does. Ball and went he home. says, "All right, I all right, I killed off your Robin. I'm out of here. Peace. Done. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You guys have fun with this. I'll be back um, in two Robins and- to kill the next one." <laughs> yeah. I, I I honestly like to think that like Grant Morrison like signed some agreement where he's like, "You're gonna let me do whatever I want when I'm done." 
you guys can deal with wherever I let the pieces fall. <laughs> and he's like, all right, Robin's dead. And they're like, fuck, shit. Uh, all right, all right, come on. We need to fix this, like, right now, guys. Grant Morrison just killed a 12-year-old. <laughs> God. I mean, the kid was a jerk, but it was a kid. Ugh, it was it was, it was, was Bruce's son. The guys who were, like, rolling up the body in the rug and stuffing him in the back of the car. Like. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. So, uh, like, in, in situations like that where you have, like, an author change or a team change, things like that, you actually wonder if, like, one person is actually having to, like, correct what yeah, the other person is doing. Sure. Um, but, like I said, for the most part, I think retconning rarely ever happens these days except when it's more for, like, a business perspective Right, to thing. bring in new readers. Mm-hmm. Like, this, we're making yeah. an accessible entry point for you, which is, I think, what the whole Rebirth thing has been attempting, although I think it'd be... I don't know, someone who hasn't read stuff would have to tell me, but I think it'd be a hard place to jump in at. Um, oh, yeah. Rebirth is not the most accessible thing. I, no. I, I don't care what people tell you. Are they good books? Yeah, they're good books. Good teams? Yeah, great teams. Are they accessible? No. No, not really. I mean, I think we even talked about this in the past. I think I said on this podcast, Jeff Johns basically admitted to the fact that if you're like a longtime DC fan, you're going to have the woo, you're going to have the best time of your life. And uh, the rest of you, just go just, fuck yourself. Just hold um, on and keep Wikipedia close. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's been my uh, my strategy. Because I fell off the wagon with New 52 for, like, I got several volumes into a couple lines, but then there was several more after that, and I got really behind kind of thing. And then I'm, like, coming in, and I'm like, stuff must have happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm confused. God, understatement but, of the century there. Mm-hmm. What I think is really interesting is that some of the retcons you've seen recently appear to be from more of a business perspective. I think one of the bigger ones that came to mind for me, and I think this event was like early last year, so I don't think this is like spoilers. Apparently, like um, the Romanoff, not Romanoff, um, Maximoff? Uh, Maximoff. The Maximoff twins were revealed to apparently not be Magneto's. Yeah, children. I'm sorry. Marvel can say it all they want, but he'll always be, be Dad Nito in my heart. So Dad Nito, Dad Nito. But it's it's such an interesting business decision because basically Marvel is looking at the fact that Age of Ultron is mere months away, and they go, "We cannot have them so heavily linked to a character that we don't have the movie rights right, to." Exactly. Basically. And so they retcon the fact that he's not their dad, and all of a sudden, X-Men crisis averted, uh, and, uh, you know, just carry on as as usual. They retconned Uh, that he wasn't their dad, and also that they may or may not be siblings, didn't they? That she was, like, created, basically, by the, oh, what's-his-face guy in this alternate universe thing? Oh, Mike would know. I definitely Uh, would. Yeah, I definitely Um. definitely read this arc. (laughs) It was really good. But it was like, guys, I know we had some twin cest going on and we're sorry. We're going to fix this. We promise. And here's how we're going to do yeah, it. Yeah, I'll say it makes some of their makes their past a lot less creepy. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, like they're both the creations of this, you know, guy that put them together. But she was more advanced or something than him. And then they face like essentially a sibling. But it's just another creation that's even better. It's like both of them combined. Oh, it's like if they had their little twin cest baby. We've now hit the limit for how many times we can say <laughs> this. Is sorry, sorry. This is, podcast. Yeah, this is not a Game of Thrones podcast, so we have to move on. Yeah. If you don't know what that means, don't don't Google don't it, do please. it. Um, Just watch but, Game uh, of Thrones; you'll understand. 
It all becomes clear very, very rapidly. They they stuff that in their first episode. Um, <laughs> you're like, what? Um, anyway, anyway. So do you, do we think it's successful for business purposes? I mean, it must be if they keep doing it, right? It certainly has been for these movie franchises. Like, essentially, it's bringing them to a new generation of people. Like, the Star Trek reboot, like, they, they retconned that because then they can have all like all new people for our age versus the people that came out when our parents were watching TV, you know? And Days of Future Past, which is great because the X-Men film continuity it, was so fucking stupid. It, it, remember that <laughs> terrible, terrible movie? Don't worry, it never happened. We're going like to fix it. <laughs> a two-hour long film, like cinematic apology for x <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it really does seem like a lot of the moves recently are, are business-related, and, and I think some of them are successful. I think some of them are meant to appease people. I think, obviously, the Star Trek one was a real clever way of saying, like, your old universe exists, and here's a new right. one, so and you don't, don't get upset. Anything. Exactly, exactly. And and to some extent, it even allowed the two of them to coexist right. in the form of both Spocks. Now, you can say... Um, are these retcons uh, creative? Like, are they creating content um, that is, like, you know, unique? Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think that's a good question. Well, sure, because they're creating all these new stories then out of those. Like, that's how well, they I go mean, on all not these like, adventures. Not, like, not unique in that sense. I mean, like, is it is it more than making a buck? You know what I mean? Oh. Like, is this more than basically making money? And... That's not to say that everything needs to be, like, you know, born Well, if it didn't make money, it couldn't get made. I mean, these things cost millions and millions of dollars, so... Right, right. This is true. Yeah. It's it's a great question, honestly. Um, Another one that comes to mind, for me at least, is uh, um, when Jeff Johns was on the Up and Up at DC, uh, he decided that he wanted um, Hal Jordan to be Green Lantern again. And that was like a, I mean, obviously that was a huge decision because I'm sure most of you now, when most of you think about Hal Jordan or you think about the Green Lantern movie or you think about, you know, the Green Lantern, you know, animated series. Is that the Ryan Reynolds one? Yeah, exactly. He's the the Green Lantern everyone thinks of for the most part, unless you're one of those kids who grew up watching Justice League and you think of Jon Stewart. But anyway, point being, most people now think Hal Jordan and, and, um... And Green Lantern are synonymous. Uh, but what about Kyle Rayner? What about Kyle Rayner? <laughs> shut up, Brian. <laughs> Jesus. What about Kyle Rayner? Come on. What a dweeb. <laughs> That's like, Kyle Rayner is just wish fulfillment, this okay? Is- he's, a, he's, a, he's a comic book artist, and he's a Green Lantern. Oh, that's so this cool. This is our, our Irie Cowboys dweeb special. The dweeb edition. Yeah, it is now. You brought up Kyle Rayner. At least have the decency to bring up Guy Gardner, a person <laughs> who just really wants to fight everyone, and they let him get a, a ring, which was a terrible idea. We were arguing about the Yiz and Vong earlier. I think we're the dweebs. Yeah, it's fucking, like, she, yeah, exactly, exactly. But but in terms of like retconning, basically Jeff Johns went ahead and said, "Hey, remember that time." when Kyle Rayner couldn't save his own city, and so he decided that he needed more power in order to be able to save Kyle people. Rayner or and Hal so basically Jordan? he slaughtered all of... Uh, sorry, uh, uh, Hal. Hal sorry, Jordan. that one was my So fault. Hal Jordan basically... Yeah, Hal Jordan slaughtered the entire Green Lantern Corps <laughs> and then became Parallax. Uh, and, and everyone's like... Um, 
I, I guess we remember that. Well, what if what if Parallax was an independent entity that just took over Hal Jordan and it wasn't Hal Jordan's fault, and so we're just going to clear the slate because that's 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 another perfect retcon right there. Jeff Johns made it so Hal Jordan was um, free of killing uh, all of the Green Lanterns, and that's how the guy who was basically public enemy number one of Green Lantern within the last ten years is now basically Green Lantern again. He's like the face of Green Lantern, so I hope that forever changes, uh, you know, uh, I hope that rocks both of you to the core, <laughs> uh, unless you're both sleeping by this point. Well, I have be real honest, I have a hard time caring about Green Lanterns. Oh, come on, they can, you know, they can manifest their imagination in hard light constructs, Wait, which why is would you not cool, love Cool, except that then it's like, there's so many plot holes then, because I'm like, why didn't you just make a this thing? Why didn't you just do a this thing? You know, like, I feel about because it the same Hal way Jordan I end up... Because Hal Jordan is an unimaginative person well, yeah, exactly. who should not be given a exactly. ring. Because here, 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 here are the requirements for being a Green Lantern. Um, do you have strong willpower? Uh, yep. I'm also a terrible person. Doesn't matter. You've got strong willpower. Fuck it. You're in. You're in. You're in. Who cares? Really, that's it. It's actually also how we pick uh, guests for this podcast. <laughs> are you good? Are you willing to be on this podcast? Great. Okay, you're in. Uh, just to really fuck things up. Nick's in charge. Oh, damn it. So It does feel a little like being left with the babysitter while mom and dad go out to play at Comic-Con. <laughs> Be- being left with the babysitter who like calls and invites like the the the, the girlfriend over and like orders pizza on the credit card <laughs> and like you know and lets the kids stay up and and watch HBO. Yeah. I'm not like other moms. Uh, I'm a cool mom. <laughs> I'm a cool mom. <laughs> Nick Nick is the Ari Comics podcast wine mom. <laughs> That's right. <Yeah. laughs> you guys can do whatever you whatever you want. I don't care. I don't care. I read comic books on Wednesdays. We wear pink. Thanks for listening to the I Read Comic Books podcast. The show is produced by Mike Rappin and edited by Xander Riggs. Our host this week is Nick White, and special thanks to our guests, Kate Scotchless and Brian Murray. The music in this episode is brought to you by Brock Berrigan and Infinity Shred. You can find more of Brock Berrigan on Bandcamp at brockberrigan.bandcamp.com. And as always, Infinity Shred can be found at infinityshred.com, as well as on Bandcamp at infinityshred.bandcamp.com. If you enjoyed this show, tell someone about it, rate us online, or write to us. Each person you tell about the show and each rating you give us is a little exposure and helps the show grow. It's also a great way for us to get feedback about the program we create each week for you. Another great way to give us feedback is to take a minute or two to fill out our listener survey at ircb.us slash survey. Besides answering some questions about the show, we also ask what comics you're reading and which creators are currently your favorite. Or, if you're just looking to say hi, you can email us at ircb at destroythesibe.org. Tell us about your favorite and or least favorite uses of retconning in comics. As always, you can ask us questions and comment on each episode on our subreddit at iReadComicBooks.reddit.com. The entire podcast team is on Twitter, and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast. And if you want to talk comics with us, find the iRead Comic Books group on Goodreads, 
We have a monthly book, and we chat about comics we've been reading. But a great way to experience the podcast, including our back-issue bin of episodes and our weekly pull list posting, is to visit us at our website at ircb.us. Until next time, from all of us here at the podcast, thank you for listening. <laughs>